You're listening to Deep Cuts with Antoine Reed, episode 62, with special guest Desiree Silver from Drunk Chicken Cigars. Welcome, everybody, to another Deep Cuts Live. I'm Antoine Reed, the host, and today my guest is Desiree Silver from Drunk Chicken Cigars. I was, you know, I've been all day I've been thinking about the conversation we had when we were doing an interview about drunken chicken cigars, because I know people think that. So I was like, don't say drunken. <laughs> so I'm glad I got it right, even though I had to pause for me. I was like, wait. <laughs> You know, so, I don't know where that comes from. Why drunken is so easy for everybody to say? It's, I, I just I wonder know. if it's like the food thing because I know, I mean, I like to cook, and I feel like drunken chicken is like an idea, like a a, a dish that lots of people cook, and especially in modern times, it's like a. I think there is a drunken chicken uh, food item. So I think everybody kind of has food on the mind when they. When they hear drunk chicken, they think drunken chicken. <laughs> well, I'm not mad at them because I, I heard it so much that I went to buy the URL. So if you say drunken chicken, it's fine. <laughs> it's going to go to drunk chicken. <laughs> well, thank you for coming on the show today. And uh, I know your story a little bit. So I'm going to act like I don't know it and ask all the questions that people can uh, learn more about you. Um, so thank you for coming on today. And um, why don't we start off with you kind of introducing yourself and uh, introducing your company a little bit, however you want to. Okay. Um, I just want to thank you for um, having me. And, um, you know, you did interview me with um, Tobacco Business, and it was an honor to be even considered. Um, so I really appreciate it. So thank you so much for doing that. No, no and so, um, like you said, I'm Desiree I'm Silver. I'm the owner of Drunk Chicken Cigars. Um, we are a boutique, boutique <laughs> manufacturing uh, cigar company. And we uh, specialize in, we start off with five different blends out in 2019. Um, the DCO, which is Drunk Chicken Original, the Mother Clucker, the Fat Hen, and uh, Living the Dreams and Sweet Dreams. And... Everybody ask um, drunk chicken. Where does that name come from? Is it just a gimmick or what? But I have a chicken farm, and I love chickens. <laughs> and I know it's crazy to love chickens, but I love my chickens. They all named their pets. Um, they hang out, and uh, when I'm smoking a cigar, I have one that comes over, and it seems like she wants to smoke it with me. <laughs> <laughs> But she always jumps on the table to kind of see what I'm drinking and what I'm eating and what I'm smoking. Um, but yeah, it's it's drunk chicken. Um, just came from the name, a uh, playful name that my friends gave my um, backyard uh, because of the chickens. And we're drunk; they look drunk, and we're having fun. <laughs> so now, um, you. Yeah decided to have to start the cigar brand like how did you get started because i know a lot of people always have dreams of starting their own brand but it's a different thing to actually put in the work to make it happen so where what was your process like so i never started off to have a cigar brand i started off 
Um, I, I smoke cigars. Um, my fiance smokes cigars. And <clears throat> we um, travel a lot. And we used to joke saying that one of us is going to have to quit because our cigar habit was getting pretty expensive. And um, so we, when we ran into um, this group of rollers, the manufacturers that we deal with now, um, <clears throat> they told us that they can make any cigar that we wanted and uh, at a decent price. And so that gave us hope that we both can continue to smoke. <laughs> so the first five cigars were made based off of our palates, how we like to smoke. Um, the DCO Drunk Chicken Original was the first one that we both like, um, but it was made in the Gordo because um, he likes six by sixties. Um, um, so, um, and he likes full, full body cigars. I don't mind a full body cigar, but it was a great smoke. It was smooth. Um, so I was like, yeah, this one was good. Um, the Mother Clucker, I love that one because I was drinking red wine when I was t testing it out. And it just paired so well with my red wine. So I, I chose that one. Um, the Fat Hand, we both um, really loved. Uh, but that one we did in the short torpedo because um, I could be on the 45 minute break from work um, when they're, you know, you, they're pissing you off at work. You need a quick smoke so you can get your head right. You can keep your job. <laughs> <laughs> I know about that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I go down, get a quick smoke or he'll take a break at work, have a quick smoke. So that's why we did the shorty torpedoes. Um, and we compromise because the shorty torpedoes give you that almost that 60 ring gauge, but because it's torpedo um, for me, um, the living the dream was just so smooth and so light. It's just one of those cigars you can pick up anytime you just want to smoke something, um, no matter how much you smoke that day. Um, so I just had to have that because um, I at that time I was smoking two, three sometimes for a day, and then you get to having those stronger ones in the evening, and you go, ah, it's too much. I'll just take something light. So that made sense. And the Sweet Dreams um, was not either one of us' choice. Um, we came up with the Connecticut with the Nicaraguan fillers, and the um, we were both like, eh, not sure, and we were going back and forth, and the um, – <clears throat> manufacturer says, hey, try it with the sweet tip. We were like, no sweet, mm -mm, no. He was like, you've got to try it with the sweet. Uh, he said, you have a good blend, but try it with the sweet. So we tried it with the sweet, and um, I, I was doing it in the morning with coffee, and it just paired so well. It was like cream in my coffee. So I was like, okay, I can do this. So it's not an infused cigar, um, so it's not super-duper sweet. So um, that's how we started. We promised to buy 500 cigars from them, so they gave us a great deal. We bought 100 of each one, and um, uh, it was, again, not meant to sell. We stuck it in um, our humidor and the free the, the <laughs> our freezer and every place else because it was 500 cigars. Mm -hmm. and at the time, we didn't have a humidor big enough. Um, we converted underneath the steps um, into a humidor. Um, because of how many cigars we ended up with. Um, but <clears throat> we um, started smoking them, going to the lounges and stuff pre-COVID. And people, what are you smoking? And it was like, oh, one of our cigars. Um, here, have one. We had we had 500, so <laughs> here, have one. And people started, our friends and 
was telling us that, hey, you should um, sell this. Um, and so I started looking into this. It, we heard it so much that it was a good cigar that we should sell it. I started to research it, talk to some of the lounge owners and see what they thought about it. What would I have to change? Um, what what did they like about it? What didn't they like about it? Got their feedback and um, started going from there. How much research would you say went into what you did before you really launched? Uh, uh, several hours uh, of research because it wasn't just the lounge owners, but I had to make sure that I had the right manufacturers, um, the right pricing, negotiate a different pricing because that price that we received was just for us getting 500. So mm-hmm. now you're talking about uh, full production or some type of production on these, um, you know, negotiate prices and then um, not only negotiate prices, but talk to other people that were doing similar. We looked in Dominican, we looked in Nicaragua and see what the differences are. We talked to other brand owners and discussed what were their, um, what did they like? What did, didn't they like? What were their drawbacks? Um, what did, why did they stop selling in, in some former brand owners? And <clears throat> then talked to several different lounges and yeah, it, it, it took a while before we just said, yeah, we're going to do this uh, because we wanted to make sure that we entered the market that I didn't want to leave it right away <laughs> if I had to leave. Um, so I want to make sure that I had quality at the right price and something that could sell. What's surprised you the most since you've become a brand owner compared to just a cigar smoker? The cost of these bands. <laughs> <laughs> Um, <laughs> that was a joke, but that surprised me the most um, with um, starting uh, the brand was I had no clue that these little things were uh, would cost so much, the production time, um, all the effort to design them and stuff like that. But um, what differences? Um, I don't, I, so it's hard for me now to... Uh, find a corner to relax in in a lounge um, without somebody want to talk about cigars. I talk about cigars enough. Um, so I want to kind of just sometimes just go to the lounge and just chill, um, talk about whatever craziness is on TV um, or, or something else, anything else. I guess that's another good question to have. Like, I know you're, you're always like a multitasker and having to do 10,000 things at once and juggle these different things. So how do you balance everything? Like, how do you find the time, like you said, maybe to compartmentalize work over here and personal life over here and not let things kind of get out of control? Um, you know, I don't know the answer to that because everything is out of control right now. <laughs> <laughs> um, how do I, um, it's, it's hard. It's very, very hard because um, <clears throat> I still work a full-time job. Um, I'm still answering emails, um, you know, for the, the drunk chicken while I'm working on my full-time job. Um, I'm a single mom, um, meaning that uh, her dad does not live in the house. So there's a little bit more on me. And well, and, and so today trying to get to do this, I had to call her dad, do me a favor, please begging, you know, and pick her up and keep her with you. So I had to make sure that, you know, everything's all right. And there's sometimes I just have to say good enough is good enough. Um, you know, with 
things that's going on in the house. Um, I can tell you uh, 10 things right now that I need to do in that house. Yeah, it'll wait. It's kind of the the curse of entrepreneurship <laughs> that, yeah. that a lot of people don't always think about is that you always are going to uh, have to balance all these different things. And sometimes you have to balance two full-time jobs. <laughs> you know, yes. it's not the idea of a full-time job and a side hustle. Um, kind of both of them require eight hours a day. So you're kind of or more. always running <laughs> and working. Yeah. Um, and then everyone sees it. And, oh, you're making all this money. Uh, no, you know, <laughs> it, it, it's a lot that goes into it. It's a lot to prioritize. And, you know, you want to make sure that your production keeps on going. And then all of a sudden bands are out. So there's more money to bands. And then all of a sudden you need more cellophane. And, all, you know, there's always something that um, advertising, um, social media. And so there's a lot that goes into it to make this all come together. How easy or how hard is it to make a profit on cigars? I'll let you know when I do. <laughs> I think it's something because most most brand owners that aren't owned by a, a larger group or corporation type company that I speak to always says that it's not an easy uh, it's not an easy thing to do. It's not like you don't get into making cigars and creating your own cigar brand really to make money. You kind of do it because you have a passion for it. So is that the case with you? Exactly. Yeah, you have to do it because you have a passion, because um, if money is going to be made, um, it's going to be several years down the line. Um, now, do I have a plan? Absolutely. Um, stay tuned. <laughs> I think um, there's <clears throat> there's a lot that goes into um, making the whole thing happen um, behind the scenes uh, that people don't get to see. And um, I just, you know, where I was speaking of, of the production and uh, when you introduce one person to a cigar um, and you introduce millions when you um, did tobacco uh, business, now everybody that used to smoke it, you know, wants to smoke it again. And now I have two other people now that, so manufacturing, I have to up manufacturing now. So the money you just made goes back into that. Mm-hmm. So it's 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 a chasing right now of um, my dream. And I think that's an important too. It's like you don't make money to like make money. Like you make money to reinvest in your company to make it better and to continue to grow it, which yeah. I think a lot of people, again, don't always think about. They think it's just money comes in and, and that's it. And like you're taken care of. They don't get that flow and the circle of life in terms of business. Yeah, if I go and spend the money that comes in on, oh, look, I just uh, have $10. And if I go spend that $10 on a new pair of shoes, guess what's not going to happen? The next um, batch of cigars. So, In terms of your, like how you've grown your brand, how's your relationship with retailers? Like how easy is it for you to um, start up relationships with new retailers, get them on board with your brand, get them to try it, get them to get shelf space. Uh, I would tell you it's um, for every 10 people that I talk to, I probably get two to say yes. Um, so it, it maybe three now, 
But when I first started, it was probably one. Um, last year it was two. I think I'm up to maybe three saying yes right now um, for every 10. But it's, it's, and it's not they say yes right away. It's, uh, I don't know. And okay, well, let me talk to you next week. And you follow up and um, let me give you a sample of cigars. So that's another where um, your money is going into a space that you don't see, you know. Um, Loungers want to try the cigars. So now um, uh, let me follow up after you smoke the cigar. So there's a there's, there's something, and some of it too is I'm unknown. I'm an unknown in the industry. And until I, I have to kind of, um, what do you say, um, prove myself, I guess, and make sure people make know that I'm giving you quality. Um, people understand that if even when I come out with something new that, uh, all right, well, her last one was quality. I expect this one to be too. So, you know. I guess what's, what's that, like, how would you have to prove yourself? Because I say that because there are some companies that I know they've, they've been around a while and they can release something and they have retailers that just pick it up. But at the same time, sometimes those retailers don't have a close relationship with those brands and they don't, they never see a brand rep. They never see the brand owner except for a special occasion. Um, and it would seem to me like they would like those brands, the bigger they get, the more they have to prove. And I guess, are you trying to it's say the like total opposite? It's the bigger right. they are, the more they seem to trust them. Um, the brand cigar lounges right now don't know if I'm going to be around next week. Cigar lounges don't know if I'm going to, um, <clears throat> if my quality is going to be consistent. Um, brand, you know, so right now they want to, they're, they're looking and seeing and, and, and keeping their eye on um, what's going on. And hopefully um, through relationship building, like we just talked about, hey, Lit Torch, uh, I'll talk to you about Susie in a second because uh, that's my girl. I couldn't do a lot of things without partnerships like with her, but um, building relationships and they, them seeing that I'm a consistent, um, my cigars are consistent. Um, we've launched a new cigar, the Homicidal Hen. Um, <clears throat> that was good. People love that one. And so hopefully the next time I launch something, they'll go, okay, you know, the last time it was good. It, it sold. So, you know, proving myself and it, I, it'll take time, but we're going to get there. Do retailers in particular care about how much coverage you get from different cigar media? Do they care about ratings and all that kind of stuff? Is, does that stuff weigh in for them these days? And maybe, because I know maybe it did like in the yonder year, <laughs> you know, during the cigar boom, but like, does that kind of stuff matter now? Or are they completely looking at different other criteria to kind of judge and grade you on? So I think it matters um, because um, the consumer is reading it and the consumer reads it. The consumer comes in and asks for it. Hey, I just read this article. So um, they ask for it. The retail, or the retail shops are putting the magazines in their shops for the consumers to pick up and read. So um, they're going to go by what their consumers are asking for. So I, I think it matters um, to some degree, maybe not as, and I don't know if it mattered as much. 
I don't know the difference between then and now, but I do know right now it, it does make a difference because of consumers. So what's the best way, in your opinion, to engage with consumers today? Because it used to be cigar companies will all flock to print ads in, you know, a handful of magazines. And now they seem to have kind of gravitated away from print and they're doing some digital stuff, but it's not a lot of digital stuff. So it's like, how are, how are you particularly targeting consumers and getting your messaging out there? Um, social media is huge. Um, we just talked about Susie Lit Torch app. She's been amazing. Um, she has this uh, cigar app for smokers and um, people um, go there and post. And so, and she does ads and when events come, uh, you know, making sure that the word is out that you're gonna be at the event. Uh, I'm old school too in a lot of things that I do, um, email, pick up the phone. So those things uh, make a difference. When, when you talked about her app, it just reminded me of, uh, I've been doing all this research on NFTs. And I don't know if you've ever heard of them, but they're non-fungible tokens. It's, but they're all based around art. And basically it's like a blockchain thing. It's complicated. We should probably talk about it offline. But I was wondering, because I know you and I were talking about the artwork for your, your company. And it mm -hmm. seems like lots of the NFT stuff is based on uh, artwork a lot of times. And it's like you can buy an NFT, like a, a piece of art, and it's like uh, you might get certain perks from it. You might get certain, uh, and I know certain cigar companies have played around with NFTs, but it might be something for you to kind of look at because it could be something completely new and different because you're always talking about innovation. And it's this, maybe this is the way to really, um, you know, sell cigars or get that, that funding in a completely different way. We're talking about the digital art NFTs, right? Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, I've seen a little bit of that, especially the young, um, younger generation is capitalizing on that a lot. Uh, yes. Yeah. Uh, okay, I I'll look into it. But yeah, <laughs> every everything helps. You know, you I, I haven't ever stopped researching from the day that I said yes, um, I'm gonna do this. Uh, it is every day figuring out what's the next step, what's the next move, what's what's the next moving part. Did something fall off? Is something broken? <laughs> and let me pick it up and try again. Or there's there's always something. And without um, the ambassadors there helping out, um, without you know strategic partnerships that I've um, entered into, I don't know if I would be here where I am. What was your experience like going to um, PCA this year? Because I know you had a pretty good show at that trade show and interacting with the different retailers and also being there with all the different brands from the industry all at one time. So like, what was that experience like for you? It was scary. Um, I fussed all the way to um, TV. Yeah, I mean, I mean, PCA, I fussed all the way there. Um, I was like, this is bankrupting me. Oh, my God, I can't believe I'm doing this. Um, I got there, and it was extremely overwhelming, um, but welcomed me at the same time. Um, it, 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 I, ha if, if I was going to do it, that's what I was thinking, or I was saying to myself, if I'm going to be serious in the cigar industry, I need to go where the cigar um, trade show is. 
period. Mm -hmm. You know, I can't say that I'm a uh, cigar uh, brand owner if I'm not there presenting um, to retailers. So I put every egg that I had in that basket <laughs> and said, I'm going to do this. And all of the um, ambassadors at the time showed up and showed out. I was so blessed and thankful for everything. It was just amazing. Did you get a chance to interact with any other brand owners at that show or did you start I new conversations? I went to bed at one and I started rewind. I, the last day, I think it was the last day, the the um, second day, it was three days. The second day uh, for the last hour, I got to walk around a little bit um, mm -hmm. to see what was um, going on in the floor. But um, I did, you know, say hi to Karen Burgess and um, AJ. <clears throat> that's it. That That's about it. <laughs> But that, I will say that's a good show, though, because if you had time to do that during the show, then something would, would in my opinion, be definitely off. So the yeah. fact that, like you said, it's usually like that last for brand owners. Uh, it's usually that last day of the show and the last couple of hours when things kind of slow down that you do get a chance to kind of go around and mingle with everybody else. So I wouldn't even call it mingle. I just wanted to see how big the floor was and see, you know, what was going on. And because it was just like, I didn't get a chance to move from my spot. Um, and, and I took a few minutes to do that. And I was, I was, um, I was proud. I was proud of what we did. Um, I was proud of the accomplishment. Um, it, it provided uh, us a seat at the table. So I'm happy that we did it. But I was <laughs> you talked about Karen, Karen Berger, and it's like you and her and several other women are, I think, changing the narrative a bit in the industry by being owners and not just, you know, behind the scenes people like you're out in front, which I think is different. So do you kind of see women's positions and, and place in the industry kind of changing for the better? Or do you think there's still a lot of work to be done? What's your feelings on that? It's changing for the better, but there's still work to be done. Stay tuned. I'm working on it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm definitely working on it. Um, I, I just see that there's a lot of other spaces that women um, can be in. Um, women have been in over the last, I would say, five, maybe seven to five years, women have been um a bigger voice, a bigger influence in the scar industry than they have been before. And I, I see that that will continue. And with that continuing, um, I, I think that the love and support that I've been getting from women um, is, has been amazing. Um, so thank you, everyone. And um, I, I'm hoping that that will continue so that other women can um, enter into the market and continue to influence in a positive manner. Now, what's been in your experience? I know some women that I've interviewed have said they've had mixed experiences, for example, walking into uh, a retailer and, you know, the retailer, for whatever reason, kind of looks, you know, for a male to to be the one that they're going to talk to for business. Have you encountered that? Because I hope you have not. But that I have, absolutely. Even at PCA, uh, a gentleman sat down and said, what do you know about cigars? I was like, uh, I'm a brand owner. 
Yeah, so um, yeah, I, I've gotten that. I still get it. Um, I've called places. Well, who do you rep for? Drunk Chicken Cigars? Uh, <laughs> yeah, so it, it has been, um, you, you couldn't be an owner. Um, you don't know anything about cigars. Uh, uh, it, it, it's, it's another one of those things, um, places that I feel like I'm being tested on several times. Um, and so that's okay. Um, Everyone will get used to us eventually. We're here to stay. And I like when we did the other interview about you were saying that some people um, kind of encouraged you or, or put the thought out there that maybe you should change the name of your cigar brand and you would have maybe more success and stuff. But you kind of stuck to your guns and said, no, this is a name that we're going with and we're going to make it work. So how has that process been and like, do you ever have moments where you think maybe we should change the name or maybe we should change the band artwork to make it more, you know, like, I don't know, to make it more something traditional. Like, uh huh. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the beginning, um, this week, uh, is come up about, um, is drunk chicken cigars, just a gimmick. Uh, what's up with all the chickens? Um, yeah, I, I've, several times, especially in the beginning, I should not, maybe I just call it DCC. And if somebody asks, I can say drunk chicken cigars, maybe I should get rid of all the chicken references. But then for me, I wouldn't be true to um, why we picked the name and um, what I love. Everything that I love in life is uh, put into these cigars the name of the cigars, the mother clucker was that rooster, that mother clucker oh, used to attack me all the time. Um, <laughs> when every time I tried to feed him and living the dream, that's what I'm doing right now. Sweet dreams. I'm having sweet dreams. Fat hen is big Shirley. She is the queen of the um, chicken coop. <laughs> She's the top queen in there. So she, uh, and then DCO is the, uh, you know, the, the name of the company. But it, it's 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 everything that I value, everything that I treasure, um, because animals never let you down, <laughs> like people do. <laughs> and I That's can go in that backyard and um, hang out with them, and they will always be consistent the same. And that's a and good point. <laughs> they listen. <laughs> What would be your advice to other people for somebody in 2021 or 2022 for those people who are watching this in the future? What would you be your advice to people who are thinking like, maybe I want to launch my own cigar company? Like, what would you say to that person? Don't Other do than it. don't. <laughs> <laughs> don't do it. Um, <clears throat> um, be prepared for hard work. Um, it's a journey. It's a long journey. Um, and um, don't be afraid of the negativity uh, because I get a, get a lot uh, from all different perspectives. Um, so don't be afraid of it. Uh, it is what it is and not everyone's going to like you. How do you deal with negative feedback? Because I know a lot of us, the moment we hear something even an ounce of negativity, we're ready to fight. <laughs> so, so, so what's what's that like for you? Like, how do you kind of, you know, take that that 
negative feedback or those not so pleasant moments and conversations in and go, hmm, okay, how do you deal with that? I go call Susie. Susie, <laughs> <laughs> guess what? And I'll vent and I, she goes, don't let it go, Des. Let it go. <laughs> and I, I am, but I just can't believe they said that. That hurt my feelings. Oh, well. Cigars not about feelings. <laughs> That's a good quote. Cigars aren't. I mean, it is to a certain point, but overall, I mean, I don't think you can get into this industry uh, with thin skin. <laughs> not at all. Uh, not at all. I, and, and then I'm, I've decided to do something unusual. And so when you decide to do that, it is very scrutinized and that's not the norm you're not traditional so there has to be something wrong so everyone's trying to find something wrong because it is different when you bring up that point about doing the unusual it reminds me of you know so many boutique companies uh, that are in the industry right now have had great success by being non-traditional and they oftentimes their narrative is that they come out with something that's completely up against the, the norms of the industry. And they hear a lot of people telling them that you're not going to be successful. This doesn't work. So, you know, I asked you this question a couple months ago, but, you know, what's your feeling about being called boutique? Like, do you kind of embrace that or do you kind of rebel against that? Or do you kind of use that as maybe saying I might be boutique? by definition right now, but I hope to be something else later on. So I'm confused by the definition boutique. I think this is what I said to you um, because yeah. Rocky Patel, I think I saw a quote where he said he's always going to be boutique. Well, then in that case, I'm not <laughs> sure I'm boutique. <laughs> I'm boutique boutique. <laughs> um, but uh, I, you know what? It's If, if boutique means custom quality care love then that's what i am hey eric <laughs> um that's one of the ambassadors there eric um story uh, he's amazing he was the first one um but to get back to your question um yeah i i i will embrace boutique if that's what the meaning means um that's what we do lean on each other yes Susie, we do lean on each other because like i said the the not having um, somebody that you can talk to, be a confidant, that's going to be your cheerleader when you're down. And um, you, I cheerlead her. She cheerleads me. Uh, help each other out um, when things go on. Hey, did you hear about this? Did you hear about that? Um, it, it's it's there's great things about it too. So don't think that it's all negative. It's it's hard work, but I've met great people in the industry amazing people. One of the things that I've found maybe doing these interviews um, that have popped up a lot in the last years, there seems to be a lot of retailers that feel like the black smoker is a new demographic, which, which I don't understand. Um, and they, and some of these retailers and they have told other brand owners, especially um, brands owned by people of color, um, that they don't necessarily know how to, you know, like, what should we do? How should we deal with these, these, you know, this demographic, the black smoker? Like, I don't understand that. Like, do you understand maybe like why it's different or difficult for some brand owners to feel like 
this demographic is different from any other demographic? <clears throat> so, you know, that's funny that you say that because um, I hear that from retailers that are black and white. So it's not a retailer that, oh, you're a different race than me. You don't know how to deal with black um, smokers. I have gone to um, lounges where we're the same race and you have that same concern. And I don't I don't understand it. Um, I'm in the business of making cigars. I just happen to be black, you know, mm-hmm. um, and and I'm in the business of making a quality cigar. So. I would tell retailers how to deal with us is talk about my cigar. And if you want, if somebody asks about the manufacturer, you can mention me, but the cigar is what you need to talk about. So if somebody comes in and says, I like a full body cigar, then point them to the DCO and talk about the notes of that. If somebody says, I, I'm always smoking Cuban cigars, or I'm always smoking light mm-hmm. cigars. Well, point them to the living the dream. Talk about the smoothness of it. Talk about the cigar because the cigar is what it, it, it they came in there for. Um, now, if they want an interesting story to go along with it, by the way, she has a chicken farm, you know? Mm-hmm. But don't treat us different. Treat us the same as you would with the other um, manufacturers and brand owners. Talk about the cigar. Talk about the experience. Talk about the flavors and the notes. And here's something new you should try. I know I was doing an interview last week uh, on somebody else's podcast, and I was talking about that same subject. And I kind of came to the same conclusion that you did, that, you know, when you talk about different brands, maybe the best approach is just to treat all the brands equally. So, like, you shouldn't treat a brand owned by a black person or a woman any differently from any other brand and by positioning these brands, you know, in the same way and equally you're kind of doing better. So maybe that's what retailers kind of need to do as well is just, like you said, kind of treat everybody in your humidor equally and it's not bring up the, I mean, you can bring up the fact like who owns a brand because I think a lot of people are interested in knowing that, but you know, you don't have to make that like your first go-to moment like you don't have to say this brand is owned by a woman oh and then here's all the other information about it i mean they'll put you in sections and here and and it's it's good and i know that there's a movement hey you know um black lives matter um black empowerment black dollars yeah that's absolutely wonderful but if somebody wants to come in and buy a black owned cigar well, this one is, and that one is, and that one is. And what are you looking for? So you can explain the differences in the cigars. There are um, several wonderful Black-owned cigars, um, owner, brand owners, that um, I've tried out their cigars and absolutely love their cigars, but they're different than my cigars, too. And so if somebody was coming in looking for um, <clears throat> lots of pepper, I would not necessarily point them to one of my cigars because that's not what um, any of them have. But there is a, a cigar um, from a um, Black-owned um, cigar manufacturer that has some. So there's different notes in every cigar. Um, and if somebody is looking for that, explain it to them. Now, as a boutique owner, <clears throat> I know shelf space, shelf space is always a 
you know, one of those unspoken things that kind of happens in the industry where I know certain brands say like, you know, if you take our, our product in, it needs to be on, you know, eye level or this space, or you have to display it in this way. And it kind of pushes people who don't, who are like smaller brand owners kind of to the sides or different placement, like how, you know, what's shelf, the shelf space issue like for you? Have you encountered that problem or is it just kind of an industry standard? So <clears throat> I don't really uh, push for cer certain shelf space. I don't make that a priority, um, but I do know that if you're put at the bottom of the shelf, um, <clears throat> you're going to have a problem moving the cigar, whether it's Rocky or uh, Desiree, <laughs> mm -hmm. you're going to have a little harder time um, uh, moving those cigars. And it's even going to be harder when it is Desiree because no one knows Desiree. Um, so <clears throat> shelf space is a premium. So one of the things that um, I you know, try to do is with the ambassadors, um, being able to have uh, several of them now is to go and have cutting lights, introduce the customers to um, the cigars and and be in the lounges. And when people are smoking, talk about it, um, bring it up, introduce them to it. So that whether I'm on the bottom shelf or the middle or the top shelf, that they know a little bit more. So information helps. Conversation. Have you helps. been able to do more in-person events in the recent <laughs> month? I didn't stop doing events, COVID, right through COVID. Yeah. So um, there were states that never shut down. You just go to those states and you cross your finger and pray <laughs> and take a shot too. <laughs> Do you think in-person events is still the way to, uh, you know, is still the way to go um, in terms of selling your product or do you think, I know more companies kind of shifted to virtual and they got a lot more traction just because people hadn't uh, seen them a lot. <laughs> you know, they hadn't been able to go to an event locally that had them. So do you think this hybrid in-person virtual thing is kind of going to be the standard going forward? Or do you think most brands are going to shift more towards the in-person events over the virtual? Um. <clears throat> I think that's going to be a personal preference um, for cigar um, lounges. <laughs> the shots work. Yeah. Um, we're not talking about the COVID shots. We're talking about whiskey <laughs> shots. <laughs> yes. Um, that was our thing. We would go to a lounge and every time we shook somebody's hand or had a long conversation, we would take a shot. Um, the, we said they'd kill all the germs. <laughs> um, so we had to be careful how many people we talked to because we would get a little twisted. Um, but, um, but we survived COVID. I'm still surviving. But yeah, I think that's going to be a personal preference getting back to what you were saying on um, in-person or virtual. I think they both have a place, um, especially since we're in such a, a virtual situation. Everybody walks around with a, a computer in their hand, you know, mm -hmm. um, and um, everybody's looking at social media. So you, you can't get away from that. You can't get away from these type of Zooms. Um, when people want information, they'll go to these lives um, and then the lives are recorded, go to YouTube. Um, there's lots of reviews that are happening um, besides the interviews, reviews on cigars. Um, so having people talk about um, the cigars too. 
um, in the reviews. So th I think it's going to be a hybrid approach. Uh, <clears throat> I definitely uh, did some of that as well. Um, did some herp, uh, virtual herps, um, got people together that was smoking. Um, and that was one of the ways that I um, got to um, know what my customers thought about my cigars, what um, notes they um, uh, were um, getting when they smoked the cigars. That actually helped me with crafting the word, um, the verbiage in the pamphlets that you see now, because it wasn't just my palate. It was what are other people um, saying? What what notes do you have? So there's there's a place for um, all of it. So I think it's going to be a hybrid. Now, since you've been in the industry for, I think, a while now, um, <laughs> what's one thing that you really like about the industry? And what's one thing that you wish or that you would change about the industry? I love the... Um, openness of the cigar smoker you can go in no matter what race you are um what what political stance or religion or whatever and you go in and you can just meet somebody and just they just like brothers and sisters sitting down having a great conversation everyone seems to be so um welcoming and i love that about the industry um <clears throat> one thing i would change about the industry um I don't know yet. Um, I, well, okay. So with all this digital age that's going on right now, um, the the retailers still love that person to person. Um, want somebody to be there to take their order, um, and I feel like, you know hey, this is a digital world, go online and place an order. But I understand it, um, but it's something that I would definitely would like to see, um, you know, do a little different or a little better. Yeah, and I don't think, I've heard that a lot, that retailers are not exactly where the technology is today. So I think a lot of people, I think we get used to, like you and I probably use Amazon and and we're fine with shopping online, but do you think retailers are there yet or are they still kind of wanting like the old time sales rep to come into the store and show them the catalog and then take their order and then like, yes. is it? Yes, absolutely. Not only that, um, there's several times I will call, hey, I haven't heard from you in a minute. Oh, you know what? I've been meaning to call you. <laughs> I've been out for a little while. I don't, I don't get it. I mean, if I'm ever able to own a shop, if I ever go in that direction, if something's sold and it made me money, I gotta buy it again. But it's not like that. Um, with they're waiting for someone to comment, hey, yeah, uh huh. But I also see that they may be busy, and there could be a whole lot of circumstances. I just, I just don't understand it because I'm not in that part of the industry. I guess. I know one person who worked at another cigar company was telling me like, he's like, you know, one of the biggest issues is that sometimes, you know, the retailers don't even have an email address. <laughs> he said, I tried to reach out to them through an email or say, I'll send you a, a catalog or the price sheet. And they's like, no, like I, I need a sales rep to come in. And like, I don't have a sales rep. I mean, you know, I'm a boutique, smaller company. So it just mystifies me that, you know, here it is 2021. And yet the retailers, some of them are, I think, more than some, like a lot of them 
in the tobacco industry, at least, seem to be kind of operating as if it's like 1997, like pre-internet. 1997, 1979. <laughs> 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 One guy told me, um, well, call me when you get a rep. <laughs> yeah, so it, it, it's, it's, yeah, it, there, there is a huge difference in how tech, where technology is and where some of the retailers are. Now you've partnered up with Sutliff Tobacco Company, right? I have, yes. Um, like, my- has that helped your workload a little bit? Like manage some of the tasks that, that you <laughs> that you were trying to do yourself too? Exactly. <laughs> yes, um, I had to partner. Um, I, I was um, becoming um, the, <clears throat> what do you call it? The, uh, the, the, Thing that was going to make my company uh, go down. I was the one point of failure in the company. I was trying to do sales, talk to sales rep, um, talk to um, uh, understand marketing, um, doing social media, trying to, do, uh, when orders were placed online, um, retail and wholesale, trying to fulfill orders. Um, I w- and it got to the point where I was failing at everything. <laughs> so um, partnering with a distributor allowed me not to focus on um, uh, on shipping or receiving anymore. Um, I do have to make sure that they have a, a ample amount of inventory. Um, we are I, I have more time now to talk to um, lounge owners, talk with the um, sales rep, um, ambassadors. That's what I call them. Um, you know, help them out. Uh, marketing just to, to focus on that more so that freed me up i was doing I, I i was doing more shipping and receiving than anything um and it was really causing a, a problem for the company so i had to find a way so distribution is um was is key but i think that's a problem a lot of uh, brand owners kind of deal with and that you know when you start your new business or start a business you think I'm going to do everything myself. <laughs> part of it is like a control thing, maybe. And part of it is just wanting to save on the budget. So like you seem to learn that lesson early on that maybe you can't be everything to your company. Well, um, some of it is too, is, you know, you don't know what you don't know. <clears throat> and um, I had to research um, um, distributors um, and, you know, if I'm not selling and it, you know, if I'm not selling at a certain rate, then they just become a warehousing for, you know, so they're not all eager to take you on either. So you have to kind of, again, prove yourself um, to make sure that they're just not giving you free warehousing of your cigars. Um, so, but yeah, I, as soon as you start to, as if you decide to do anything, but as soon as you start to see that you are starting to become a problem for your um, your company because you're taking on too much or you're not being as as effective as you used to be, um, I was not effective in being able to do sales at all. I just that was just something that was cut off at that point because I was doing too much. Um, so. Um, I had to take that note, but it's, it's been a blessing. They are amazing. Um, and they, uh, have helped with the transition 
uh, and I wish I'd have known about it earlier, but <clears throat> I think I'm there at the right place at the right time. Well, I know, I know we're, I'm working on a, an interview with Jeremy um, from Sutliff. So I, when I saw the list of different companies that they were uh, distributing, I was like, oh, it's like Drunk Chicken and Emperor's Cut and stuff. So they have a pretty good portfolio of brands that and unique brands that they're representing. So I thought that was kind of cool. Someone saw me choking. <laughs> Thank you, thank you. Yeah, so yeah, they they Jeremy is amazing. Um, like I said, he's been very welcoming. Um, they have a great team that they work with. Um, Kevin um, uh, works his um, cigar section um, and works the sales. And um, I met all the ladies there, and I mean, they are amazing. I, I'm two hours away, and I've I've gone down there uh, several times just to kind of hang out. <laughs> I have fun with them. But I think that's important too, to have, to find a partner that's not just a transactional relationship, but one that you would want to drive two hours just to hang out with them. Yeah. They make you want, they made me feel like I was um, part of the family um, right from the beginning. Um, and I, and they told me they were like, yeah, right. Drunk chicken. <laughs> <laughs> They're very suspicious, but I mean, almost from the beginning, uh, we kicked it off and hit it off. So, so what's the what's the future look like for Drunk Chicken? Like, are you working on any new blends? Are you working on any new projects? Or what's what's the future look like for you? New projects. Uh, um. New blends. I want to do new blends. Um, you'll probably see new blends. If, I'm not sure. Depends on the project. So I have a big project that I'm working on right now. Um, and I'm hoping that uh, it will be February, March that I can announce it. All the paperwork and the ink is dried. Um, and if, I, if all of that goes well, then I probably will not do any new blends next year. Um, because it's a huge project. If um, <clears throat> that kind of falls by the wayside, which I don't expect it to, um, then I do. I have um, a couple new names. I've already had the um, bands made for them. I already have um, the concept for them. I don't have the blends, but um, I, I already kind of have in my head what I want to do. Um, so those will probably be in 2023. I know. I think I asked you this one. I interviewed you and I, 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 maybe it was that question that stumped you, but what have you learned about yourself since you started drunk chicken? Oh, wow. Um, this is always that Oprah question that gets people. <laughs> <clears throat> that I could do much more than I thought I could. <laughs> Cause I could have took, if you would have asked me if I could have um, run a business full time, work full time, you know, take care of kids, you know, and uh, where I am right now, I would have told you no way it can happen. But you find a way, you find time, um, you find people that are um, great, that's in your corner, um, 
<laughs> you know, like I said, you, you have to find people that's in your corner that believe in your dream that um and, and help take it to the next level. So this family. <laughs> well, that's awesome. Well, before we as we kind of come to the close of this interview, I want you to give the you know the websites people should should visit, the Instagram, anything else that's important for them to learn more about you and learn more about Drunk Chicken. Uh, if you want to find Drunk Chicken Cigars, www.drunkchickencigars.com. Instagram, Drunk Chicken Cigars. Um, Twitter is D Chicken Cigars. There's too many letters for them. Um, <clears throat> and Eric, you if you want to get a sample pack, and uh, you can use get fifteen percent off by using the code. What's your code? Eric Story. Eric Story, and you'll get fifteen percent off at at the, on the website. So um, go out there and um, do that. Uh, use Eric's code to get fifteen percent off. But um, and if you meet uh, one of the ambassadors at, at a lounge or out, say hello. Um, ask them about drunk chicken cigars. Um, they're happy to help you. Last thing I want to say is, you know, Drunk Chicken Cigars is that any time of the day cigar um, for anybody. Um, we have a cigar for almost anybody. So please feel free to um, check us out. There's lots of information about every single one of the cigars out there on the um, website. So thank you um, and um, check us out. Awesome. Well, thank you for coming on today and um, sharing your story with us and for anybody who's watching this on YouTube or on Facebook, please visit deepcutslive.com where we'll be posting this interview and you'll see all the other 60 some interviews that we've done in the past. So thank you so much. And I look forward to talking to you Desiree next time and with everybody else uh, during our next episode. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. It's been and amazing. Thank you for coming on. Awesome. Thank you. All right.